Salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 127 of Ho 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 Har Business. Ho Ho Ho. And we are joined for this very special Yuletide episode by Los Angeles' own Brian. I was going to come up with a weird title, like uh, <laughs> the king of... <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know what, like, the King of Glendale or, like, the Pasadena Patriarch or something, but it's How Brian Sow. Prince of Palms. Prince of Palms, there we go. It's my <laughs> friend and yours, Brian Sow, uh, president of the Barbara Crempton Fan Club. You know him. You love him. He's made, hey he's, sh- he's shot some movies. What was the one movie you did? Um, it was, uh, oh, God, Don't Go in the, Don't Go in the Attic. Oh, <laughs> stay out of the fucking, stay out of the fucking attic. Stay out of the fucking attic. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. That was the name of the movie. Yeah, I love I, that. They, they well, I thought it. I kept thinking it was going to change, and it. I in some places that they dropped the fuck, in other places they just did some dots, but they left the fuck in for most of the most most venues. Which that I was, was surprised by. The, the best part about that was when Kelly sent me the trailer. She was like, what do you think of this movie? It's like Brian shot it. And I was like, it looks nice. Like, it looks aesthetically pleasing. That's probably going to be the only good thing about it. <laughs> judgment. Judgment from Justin Lore. I know. It's so weird. I'm such a. <sighs> you, yeah, normally you're so lacking in opinions. I am. I know. And on this episode, we're going to be talking <laughs> about two films involving, uh, I believe it's pronounced Sinterklaas. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Father Time? No. Father, Father Hanukkah. No, wait. Fuck. No. Old uh, Saint Nicky. Old Saint, yes. That's We're the one I'm about... more familiar with. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, actually, I recently went to a storytelling session in Bethlehem, um, at Paranormal Pizza. <laughs> Shout out. And it was about, like, the weird horror, I should probably talk about this in the What Have We Done Recently, but I'll, you know, I'll get to it. But it was all about the different, like versions of like the christmas goblin i guess yeah sure and it's all fucking terrifying oh yes it's great um we're gonna be talking about 1984's uh slasher british slasher don't open till christmas and then 2022's christmas horror film Written and directed by Joe Bagos and shot by Brian Sow. Christmas bloody Christmas it's Christmas, bloody Christmas, which I almost watched with my grandfather, but thank the baby Jesus I didn't, and we all know why. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And I feel like you've, you, you coming on is that much more of an act of bravery, I feel like, because you've actually heard the show. Most people <laughs> pretend to have heard the show yeah. before they come up, but you've actually heard the show, so you know that you've entered the lion's yeah. den. And by lines that I mean room where Justin is yelling for no reason. Oh, Brian has hung out with me in person. Brian <laughs> oh, yeah. has seen oh, yeah. me at a bar 
carrying on. Uh-huh. Brian has seen me in the presence of women. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that was I have. A, I've seen him in. I've seen him in and out of his element. Yeah, that was a night. That was a good night. So before we go any further, we want to talk about who this podcast is brought to you by. And it is brought to you first and foremost by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's right. There are people in this world, okay? There are people who exist who hear the nonsense that mostly me, and because Liam's a little bit more reasonable and rational and measured, they hear the bullshit that comes out of your fucking speakers when you, when you, when you, when you hit play on this podcast, and they think, I want to give those people money. I want to I wanna support them monetarily. And we appreciate that because, like I've said so many fucking times, Capitalism has fooled us all into thinking that money is real. It's not. But until we all realize that money's not real and the only chains that hold us down are the chains that we ourselves forge, uh, we are thankful for your patronage. Yeah, that worked. Did I do that work? Okay, that, that made sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh yeah. So if you want to become a patron to the Cinepunks Network, if you want to help put money in our coffers. Um, if you want to put just generic gold coins into a velvet pouch to throw at us, um, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. And it's not, you won't just be supporting this podcast. You'll be supporting Liam's uh, Cinepunks, Liam's Cinema Smorgasbord. You'll be supporting Twitch of the Death Nerve. You'll be supporting um, Wine and Cheese. You'll be supporting The Carnage Report. You'll be supporting, oh God, uh, oh Jesus. <laughs> tomb of ideas tomb of ideas fuck i mean that's it's fine don't worry about it yeah you're doing all right you got it you're, you're doing I, great. I got there i got there <laughs> uh let's also thank our friends over at lehigh valley apparel creations uh now by our friends we don't mean chris reject no thank you, no Chris. but uh every, everyone else who works there is amazing uh if you're looking to get something screen printed whether that's a t-shirt uh <coughs> sorry guys whether that's a t-shirt, uh, sweatpants, hoodie, windbreaker, uh, handkerchief to wear over your face while you commit crimes, whatever it is. A Santa Claus hat to wear also while you commit crimes. Ooh, that's a good combo, handkerchief and Santa Claus hat. Uh, head on over to xlvacx.com to uh, acquire the services of Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, uh, the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley and possibly the world. Uh, they offer... Not just uh, professional, but also personal service. Uh, they're really good at what they do, and it's fun to work with them. Not only so, that, do you think they could go ahead? Do you think they could do like a uh, a Santa hat that had eye holes cut out like Orko? Yes, I mean, I'm yeah. an, I'm, a, I'm I'm answering on behalf of Chris. Don't follow this up. Yes. Yeah, I wish. I wish actually. <laughs> I wish actually. I could just tell you to just text Chris. This you question should. Here, I'll give you his I, number right now. No, stop. Don't do it. <laughs> his, you know, his cell phone actually is his work number, but I find that behavior so psychotic and like just unconscionable that I refuse to hand out his number to people. Like I just give him the email because I'm every time I realize that like his personal cell is also what he uses for all work. I'm like, you're a monster. Like, what is wrong with you? That's staying yeah. in, that's staying Does in he the have ad, a special way of answering. No, no, that's the just, worst part. 
he just refuses to never not be like to never be not working. Like he just is always working. Okay. Anyways, don't, don't hold that against them. That means you're going to get great service. So go yeah, ahead. And when you check out, you can, you can enter promo code F C K C R H S R J T for 10% off. I think you put C R H instead of C H R. Whatever. I don't, I, it doesn't it's, matter. It's, it's, it doesn't it's matter. gibberish. All right. Nothing will happen. Let's also thank our friends over at XSCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, this adds a lot easier because uh, Aaron Dahlbeck is great and not a monster like Chris Reject. Yeah, uh, Chris Reject has been in Get to the Chopper and some other shitty bands. Aaron Dahlbeck, Aaron Dahlbeck was in fucking Bane. Fuck yep. you, Chris. I, I mean, he was in Bane. He was in Converge. <laughs> he played in 10-Yard Fight for a show, I think. Uh, yeah. I hope I didn't make that up. I think that's true. Uh, he's now in Be Well. Like, Aaron Dobbick is great. Uh, Essex is uh, trying to expand to open a shop uh, where he lives. And they offer just quality coffee, tea. Uh, they have shirts. And the most important part is they roast your beans to order. So you're getting the freshest possible coffee at a reasonable price. Uh, what's more, if on uh, uh, during checkout you enter code C I N E P U N X, that's Cinepunks, by the way, you're gonna get ten percent off your order. I mean, for I, real, that's that's for real. I don't, and and let me be clear about something. This is less true for for Justin because he's a, a real straight edgeman and not a poser like me. I drink coffee every day. And I care about the coffee I drink. I'm not a Folgers band like Josh Alvarez. I, I drink real coffee. And when I tell you, I actually drink this coffee. This is not something where I'm just chilling out. Like if we had a fucking, oh uh, man, I was about to say Casper mattress, but actually I have a Casper mattress. So that's a bad example. Uh, let's say better help. I don't use better help. And if I said a bunch of nice stuff about better help, it'd be for money. Right. I actually drink Essex coffee. It's good. I've, I've talked down to multiple people, not just who listen to our shows, Justin, people who are on the network who are like, oh, like you actually drink it. I'm like, yeah, what what kind of money do you think we're getting from Aaron Dahlbeck that I'm out here pretending to like coffee? I like yeah. the coffee. I'm not pretending. It's really good. So uh, head on over, get the 10 percent off. Uh, oh, yeah. And of course, as always, we want to sh thank Sharky over Mechanical Shark Media. What, Justin, what, is, what does Sharky do over there at Mechanical Shark Media? I think a better question is, what doesn't Sharky do? Thank you. Now, let's say I have an idea mm -hmm. for, I want to do a tribute. I want to do my own personal version of a Brothers Quay film where I recreate me as a child and I'm afraid of the black skeleton with glowing red eyes who lives in my attic sure. named Doody Doo. And yeah. I want to make a stop motion animation. It's a brother's wave <clears throat> film. If I wanted to do, if I wanted to bring that fucking nightmare into life and cause literally everyone who loves me to question my sanity and, and contact me to make sure I'm okay. If I wanted to make that film, who would I go to? You go to mechanicalsharkmedia.com for the help of Sharky. Right. Not only would he do it for you, he'd probably do it not using miniatures, but using life-size puppets, which yes. would add that much more to the nightmare scenario of this uh, dream that you have. Uh, Sharky can also do audio editing. Um, he can do audio production. He can do post-production on video and audio. He has, he's building right now a studio space where he'll be able to do green screen, special effects, podcast recording. Uh, as we said, he does uh, making puppets. He does set design and special effects. It's like whatever your media needs are from live streaming to music videos, he's got you covered. So head to Mechanical Shark Media media.com and let sharky know we sent he, you he is like a combination of rick baker and phil Spector and john landis just all rolled into one and 
for some reason, Danny Diablo. They're just all rolled into one. That's, that's Sharky. I'm just going to let that stand. I'm just going to let that be the thing. And, and if and if he decides he doesn't like that, he can talk to you about it later because I have no idea. I My initial response to that was, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know what Justin's saying right now. That's good. Except Sharky hasn't killed anyone like John Landis has. That's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah. Fucking now John comes Landis. the time in the podcast when the night draws late and I'm going home with my attractive boss. And I'm about to engage in, let's say, uncomfortably long cunnilingus with her. <laughs> Fuck. Why in in weird, <laughs> dreamy hues of red and green? And as I'm about to make love to this woman that I'm obsessed with, I look over in the corner and I see Liam for some reason. And I'm like, "Hey, Liam, before I satisfy this woman." I'm going to ask Brian, who's in the other corner filming it, which actually fucking happened. I'm going to look in the other corner where Brian Sowell, like a fucking, like a vulture with a camera. And I'm going to say, hey, Brian, I'm about to do some cool shit. But before I do, what have you done involving Har recently? Uh, I would say don't look into the camera. Just stay in the moment. Of course, yeah. thank you, thank you, yes. thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, other than I have not, uh, actually, uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas was the last thing I worked on, but I have been working on a Western lately. A Western? Yeah. That's Which is pretty dope. wild. Yeah, I was in Montana for two months working on that 1923 show. Oh, oh cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was actually, I'm pretty excited about it. I was just, I came in to cover people um, and then ended up staying longer than expected, but I'm pretty excited about it. And I don't do a lot of Westerns, so it was cool getting to watch real cowboys do cowboy shit. That's fascinating. I mean, when you say like cowboy yeah. shit, you mean like, like, you know, being out in the range and, you know, drinking well, chicory? Well, uh, maybe. I don't know what they're drinking, but... uh. So there's a scene that really drove the 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 point home on how good these guys are. They had these actors and like, can you ride a horse? And like, yeah, sure, I can ride a horse. Two guys, they all they have to ride up, jump <coughs> off the horse, and knock on knock on a door of a shack. And they did it. And I was like, oh, they look like they know how to ride horses. They did it. So, but then they wanted the stunt doubles to come in. So the stunt doubles look very similar from as far away as we were. They come hauling ass in. They're jumping off the horse while the horse is being tied up, and they're running towards the door to knocking on it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's that's the western I know." The other one was just watching a guy do horse stuff. Interesting. Um, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, wow. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I you, think uh... it's going to be a good show, but it was just cool to also be there and see it in person. <laughs> Again, I'm sure it'll look good if you shot it because everything you shoot looks. <laughs> Seriously, looks. Well, I was, good. well, thank you. I was just opera. I was just there operating, but it was the last thing I was. I've been doing recently, but it was it was it was really fun. Have you uh, um, have, have you watched anything? Uh, what have I been watching? Well, I watched Don't Open Till Christmas. That was Excellent. the last thing that I sat down and gave my full attention. Um, and I've been kind of watching Andor, but that's about it. No other horror related stuff that I can. I'm six episodes with. in on, on Andor. 
Oh my God. That's about where I'm at. And I kept starting and stopping and everyone was like, no, you gotta, you gotta get into it because it's the best. And so far it's pretty good. Liam, have you watched it? I have not. I'm told I need to, but you know, I mean, everyone says it, but here's the reality. There's, there's so much, there's so much content. There's just so much content. God damn it, Liam. I'll get there eventually. It's just, there's so much content. Can I tell you how good the show is so far? I mean, I believe you will. I, 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 I don't think you've posted about it, but you might have. I feel like you might have said something publicly about how much you like. It takes the hypothetical question of all that idiots have asked. Well, what about the janitors on the Death Star? What about the janitors on the Death Star? And it makes those that bureaucratic like nobody. It makes them compelling. It's how fucking good the show is. Okay. Yeah, that is that is true. You like it? You're into it, Brian, so far? Uh, yeah, well, I was told it, people kept, kept comparing it to Rogue One, and I love I think Rogue, Rogue One might be one of the best Star Wars movie shows ever. And I don't think it's quite that good, but it's very, it's, it's in the same, like, it feels similar. Okay, okay. So, yes, I like it. I'm going like to get there. I just haven't gotten there yet. But I agree with there's just so much to watch. It's just like, I mean, even, even if you take all the TV shows away, there's so many movies that I either need to go back to or still want to see. I mean, I could watch a movie every single day for forever and still not get there. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel pretty okay about the movie situation if I don't take into account how much TV I end up watching. Because the reality is that uh, at the end of the night, my wife, for understandable reasons would rather watch a TV show than invest the time in a movie because she's just like a more early to bed person. And I get that because yeah. our daughter wakes up pretty early. So it, it makes sense. But for me, I think I would be even less plugged into what's on TV if it wasn't for the fact that we were not watching all the movies I would like to be watching, but we're not. And so I still, I still manage to catch up with movies. I think I do. Okay. Um, but we watch a lot of TV and yet I still feel like there's always something that someone's talking about that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked that out yet. I, I, I'll put it on the list. You know, it's on the list, you know? Yeah. I mean, should I probably watch Andor instead of the Willow show? Yeah, probably. But, uh, you know, I'm up to date on the Willow show. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> judge me later. That's, that's out now. Oh yeah. Disney plus my man, Willow, the show. <laughs> I got I don't know why you're saying. I like really that, wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to see, and my girlfriend just roasted me, so I ended up not starting it. Yet. Oh man, uh, unacceptable! I, no, 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 Justin, I'm with your uh, Brian. I'm with your girlfriend. Uh, this is the reality here. This is what it is. Is that this is not classic cinema. This is not a great movie. Is it a movie I've watched a hundred times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that I've made the follow-up TV show to a movie that's not that great appointment television like i'm fucking <laughs> on top of it like it's like you know this is this is twice as exciting as game of thrones for me or something but i don't care i i you know it's not just the fact that i have great memories of willow which i really do it's also like i like seeing our man the man himself back doing something because i just feel like other than that awkward uh ricky gervais show he did that i would like to forget about uh, he hasn't gotten to do a whole lot and seeing we're talk- him. We're, we're talking about Warwick Davis. Yeah, he hasn't. You know, he's he had a brief shining moment and then he went away and then he came back to be mocked by Ricky Gervais, which I don't love. 
And uh, and now he he's back to being Willow. He's Willow. Come on. Interesting. I was. So I have a horrible thing to uh, confess. Yeah. I was under the impression that and this is because I sound like such an idiot already. I didn't know he was still alive. In my mind, <laughs> he was in his 40s when he did Willow. And I that's know, like right? No, he was not. But, but he was young. not. Yeah. Yeah. What's more, the, the person uh, who plays his daughter in the show is his daughter in real That's his daughter in real life, right? So then I thought, oh, well, she, maybe she was the baby. But no, he was so young when he did the original. Willow is older than I'm giving my, it credit for. So when he did the Willow, he wasn't even married yet, I think, when he did the original Willow, let alone had a kid. So the kid, the the actor, the actress who plays his daughter in the movie, she's probably like a full on adult now, you know, like I just it just didn't really click for me when when this I was like, oh, maybe this is the same woman from the movie. But it's not. It's not. Uh, anyways, I like the show. I like Willow. Anyway, that, but it's not my turn. I'm, I'm jumping in on you, Brian. My bad. It's not my turn. Are you done? Are you done? Because I'm ready to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Justin, Justin, you want to ask me the question? Liam. Yes. What have you done involving Har recently? Okay, here's the thing, right? Brian, you've heard the show. Listeners, yeah. most of you have listened to the show regularly. We don't get a lot of new listeners. Y'all are pretty aware that there are just too many times when I say to Justin, nothing, I ain't done nothing. It happens all the time. And I remember that that happens all the time in the afternoon today. I remembered it today. And I thought, fuck that. I'm not doing that again. I'm going to watch a horror movie today. So I have something to talk to Justin about on our podcast about horror movies because I just have not been watching enough horror. I mean, I watched a lot of horror in October, but then we didn't record for November. So I didn't really talk about any of those movies. But here we are, and I watched a horror movie today. In quotes. I'm going to put it in quotes because I watched a movie called Blood Relatives. Have you guys seen this movie? I have, yes. What did you think of Blood Relatives? Did you see it, Brian? Uh, I don't think so. Um could you call it a horror movie i mean that's the thing i i will say that i still think it qualifies or at least it's close enough to horror to talk about but i do think for some people they would say it's not a horror movie despite there being some blood and violence and stuff yeah i i I think no we didn't talk um i i dug it overall i mean it wasn't perfect um but i do like the idea of a there's something that is like undeniably tragic about like a 115 year old Jewish vampire who saw his family killed during the Holocaust and is kind of hesitant to like accept like new like new family. Yeah. Um but like like even knowing that the actor was Jewish, I still think that the whole like I felt that the little bits, bits, bits of like Yiddishisms that were like sprinkled in there, it felt almost forced. Oh, that's interesting. If that makes any sense, like I like the movie. Uh, I I forget what's what's the act that actor's name. Noah Segan. I like that guy. Um, I think he's good in everything I've seen him in. Um, and I thought he was super charming in this role, but a little bit of that felt like kind of forced. And I kind of wish they would, he would have like, like, I feel like the character could have been like more of a, um, oh, how do I say this without sounding a complete fucking like racist asshole? Uh, 
I feel he could have gone a little more cartoonish with the with the with with the Yiddish and done a little bit more because it felt almost like I don't know, like I I, I like I like the idea of a Jewish vampire and the idea of like him suffering what he suffered through. I mean, it, I don't like it. I'm not like, yeah, good for him. But I think that's like there's an interesting backstory to that character mm-hmm. that they could have explored more. And if they were going to go with that, I think it would have been like kind of appropriate with the tone of the movie if they'd made it like, um, I don't know, just like a little more like I, I wasn't quite buying the oy vase and oh, I feel like a schlemiel. And I, I, you know, I was just like, oh, come on, man. Like, there's ways to do that genuinely and still be like a, Brian, this is going to mean nothing to you and to our listeners, except the, he's listening to it. Give me Dave Janis, the fucking, the nebbish, the unhappy, like, oh, God, oh, God, I just, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. Oh, like, give me that as the suffering Jewish vampire. Like, I just kind of wasn't buying the weird, you know, anachronistic like greaser thing. I don't know. But like, I liked the movie overall. I thought it was very sweet. Um, I thought it was like kind of cool how they didn't do anything. Like it felt, I kind of thought they were going to do the thing where it was like, and they're going to fight crime. And I was like, don't, don't become crime fighting vampires. Like, I don't want that. And they didn't. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and I liked the whole idea of how, like she said, like, uh, for now, you're my dad, and then you're going to be my brother, and then you're going to be my son, and then I'm going to die, and you're gonna, still going to be here. And I thought that was very like, oh, that was a, quite an honest assessment of the situation, which is um, they didn't really, they were like upfront about that, which is like one of the only things I really didn't like about um, Let the Right One In was that like, especially like the American version had that kind of like bittersweet ending where like, oh, and then they rode off on the train happily ever after and they escaped all the problems. And it's like, yeah, except that he's going to grow old and die and she's going to live forever and he's going to do unspeakable things for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was clear in the original. I think, I think the original is, is that's the whole point is the fucking uh, eternal codependence of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I, I, I like blood, rel- blood relatives. It was fun. Um, I'm glad I got to see it because it had played, uh, what the fuck? I think it played Fantastic Fest and I didn't get a chance to see it because it wasn't offered on streaming, unfortunately, despite the fucking $250 I paid for it, um, or whatever. Uh, but no, it was fun. I, I would definitely recommend it if you're looking for a movie that's like, you know, kind of lighthearted, but still has like, you know, a good solid, like emotional core to it. Um, check it out. Wait, you paid $250 for Fantastic Fest? Something like that. I don't know. Lame. For, for the virtual ticket. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm not Hollywood Liam O'Donnell with Lame. all his connections. Oh, I love that, you, that <laughs> you, you would suggest I have connections. I literally haven't gotten a, a, I hadn't had a press pass for like four years. And when I got that Chicago one, I was like, shit, yeah, I'm, I'm finally back in. I'm doing the thing. I'm like so cool. And then I didn't write anything because I got that fucking bronchitis. So I'm definitely never getting a press pass again because I didn't write. I got sick immediately, like mid fast. I got sick. So I wrote one review and that was it. Oh, well, it was nice while it lasted. I got to see like three movies, four movies. Um, Okay. So, I mean, 
I, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, not the anti-Semitic stuff because you're fucked up, but the rest of the stuff you said, <laughs> I very much, uh, I think I think I feel. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I definitely just picked this movie because I didn't want to bum everybody out by not having something to talk about because I feel like that happens a lot. So I was like, I'm just going to watch this movie. I went in a little skeptical. I am not a Noah Segan fan, um, which is like sacrilege because, as you know, I, I have been to Fantastic Fest before, and a lot of the people I know from that fest like know him. Like as an actor, he's the kind of guy that like meets people. He's not like above the fray. So if you're someone who's been to that fest a few times, or if you work for like Fangoria and stuff, like he's pretty good friends with Phil. So like people I, I know, know like I, I know yeah. I'm friends with Phil. Yeah, yeah. We, we were so like people I know know him IRL. So the fact that like they're stoked on him. I always kind of write it off to the fact that he's like their bud because nothing he's done for me as an actor. Am I like, Oh, he killed. It. Oh, he's so good. He killed it. Uh, and then I was even more skeptical going in. Cause he's not just the star of the movie. He's the, the writer the and the director oh, and the okay. producer. The whole thing is him every from top to bottom. It's his project. And often a project that is all one person, including them being the star. That is the sort of vanity project. I tend to want to avoid. However, uh, I really like a guy in the movie who is not a huge role, but people might know him from A Wounded Fawn. Josh Rubin is in the movie. Yeah. And he's the main guy in A Wounded Fawn, but he's a small role in this movie. And if it works out, at some point, Josh is going to be a guest on Cinepunks. Though, I don't know. It's a far enough away that it, it, who knows if it'll work out. But that's the plan. So I thought, well, he's in this, so I'll check it out. And who knows, maybe I'll be surprised. And maybe it was the fact that I went in kind of skeptical, but I very much like this movie. I was, I was, I was a fan. Now I will admit there's not a lot of there, there with the movie. It's not a lot. It's not, there's not a lot going on in the movie. There's sort of one central thing. And then um, there's not a ton of plot. It, it, it goes pretty slow. And um, there's only a couple of moments with any sort of tension it's a lot more relaxed movie, but it's so charming. Like, I think if I wasn't so charmed by the relationship between him and the uh, actress who plays his daughter, I think I would be a lot more down on this movie. Cause I just don't know that there's a lot happening. I think I would be a lot more negative about it, but, uh, but I loved them on camera. I also appreciated the stuff about him being, uh, you know, specifically a Jewish vampire, but, but also for me, him being a person who's trying to live without connections. Now he makes the point multiple times throughout the movie that he's not a person. Right. And that's something we often say is that vampires are monsters. They're not people, but like he clearly is a person, right? Like it's weird, right. That he's not alive and that he has to drink blood. Uh, well, he does. It turns out he doesn't have to drink blood, but it's better for him if he does. Um, but other than that, unlike other versions of vampires, he's a person. He still has a personality. He's still able to make decisions outside of his bloodlust, right? Like he's not just this like creature. He is a, you know, a person. And so making this decision to try to live and in a sense, give up something, despite the fact that a lot of his roaming and his detachment comes out of trauma right? It comes out of a real experience. It's not, he's not sowing his oats, right? He's, he's living a certain way for multiple reasons. Vampire being least among the reasons I think that he is living without attachments. Right. 
And so the fact that he works through that, but then the movie also doesn't romanticize it. It's hard. It's not easy. It's, it's a difficult decision to make. And it's one where he, he comes to a place that I don't want to ruin for people uh, where he, he decides a way forward, but it's not, a, it's not like he decides to be a father to his daughter and then it's all, and then it all, it all works out, you know, 75 years of being on, on the road, on the road just goes away. And now he's a dad. That's not how that shit works, you know? And the fact that Noah Segan not only wrote and produced and starred in the movie, but then he dedicated it to his own kids. Right. Yeah. That was, that was charming. I think that's because, you know, this, this whole thing is a metaphor for someone just coming to terms with the fact that once you become a parent, things change, but you don't necessarily entirely change. Right. And I think that's the thing people think happens is like, you procreate and magically you're a different person, but that's not how that shit works, right? You're still you. And so like in some cases, that's a horror show because you were actually pretty fucked up before you had the kids. And so you probably should have thought of that before you had the kids. (laughs) But in other cases, it's not that bad. It's just, you think that the things you don't like that you associate with being a parent, that you'll learn to love them. And that's probably true in some cases. I definitely can say as a dad, there's a couple of things I was worried about that I have learned to love. But there's going to be a bunch of ways in which you limit yourself and it fucking sucks and you never like it. You're never okay with it, you know? And Did you have to let go of a lot of things? Oh, 100%. All the time. So you, you, you became a father and then you started letting go, thing, letting go of things that weren't necessarily as important to you as you thought they were? Or um, you just were like, I need, I need to be done with this? I haven't. I didn't let go of things in the sense that I completely let go of them. But I realized that I had prioritized a bunch of things that were going to be more difficult to prioritize. And as time went on, I think some of those things I ended up letting go of a little bit because as I deprioritized them, I realized that eh, they weren't as important to me as I thought they were. Other things that I thought maybe were over turned out weren't over because once I had the freedom, I mean, part of the reality here that I think all new parents should realize is. Until your child can like sleep through the night and walk around, you're in a crisis mode, right? Like the first couple years there, that's not what the rest of your parenting life is going to be like. That's a different thing. And then once your child can like sleep through the night and feed themselves and dress themselves and knows how to use the bathroom, you're in a different role, right? Not necessarily a less important one, but I think like sometimes I've interacted with new parents who... They're in the middle of the traumatic first two years and they're like, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? And I'm like, God damn, I hope not. I hope your child learns to sleep through the night and stops crapping their pants. Like it's, it's a different thing. Right. But, uh, and so what I found is once I had some of my life back, some of the stuff that I thought all had to go away, or maybe I didn't think that, but I, I worried that it did could come back, but yeah, there's a certain amount of stuff you got to give up. I think in his case, in the movie, and I'm not sure that this isn't reflective of his real life. Uh, there was a sense in which it wasn't just, you know, stuff that we would call fun or, you know, uh, interesting. It's more like he had to give up an image of himself as being a lone wolf on the prowl, you know, and he had to be someone who is like not just connected to his daughter in the movie. Right. But part of like a world and a community like that's not his experience. And I'm not convinced that that's not true of a lot of people who at one point really saw themselves as like, you know, a free floater 
and had to realize that that's not true. Personally, I think that no one was ever a, a lone wolf, that everyone is part of a community, but I know that that is not everyone feels that way. So I'll allow people to think whatever they think about their uh, identity within the world. Even if I think you it's still. Can't delusional. tell me I'm not a lone wolf. I of, walk alone. Of all the people I would think of, you are the most obvious example of how untrue that is, but that's fine. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> I walk alone in this world. <laughs> uh, anyways, so I, I really liked it. Now, do I think it's like a five-star film? No, I, I'm not saying that. I just think I had lower expectations. Not that I thought it would be bad, but I wasn't sure because I'm like, Ooh, I don't know here. Like I, I've seen movies like this that, you know, really didn't work. And I think it really worked. And I think the biggest surprise is that the things that made it very seem very personal Granted, I don't know Noah Segan like that, that I could say they were personal, but I suspect they were. Those were strengths. A lot of times when someone makes a movie that feels this much about their own experience, and it's like, you know, uh, such a particular experience, that can actually, those can be flaws, right? People, they lose sight of what is universal or what's going to communicate to an audience. And in this case, I don't think that's true. You know, granted, I don't know, maybe none of it was personal, but the stuff that felt personal to me as an audience member was also some of my favorite fucking parts of the movie. Like it was really the strengths of the movie. So in that sense, I definitely recommend it to people who aren't looking for an actual vampire horror movie. It is not that there is no part of this movie. That's scary. Um, I also think some people have been selling it as like a comedy and it's funny, but it's not that fun. It's more it's, like it's, it's quippy. Yeah. It's a little bit quippy. It's a little bit cute. And I think honestly, it functions as an interesting character study of both of these you know, it's really him and his daughter, those two characters. Those are the, yeah. that's what the movie's about. And it thinks it works. And then I will say, Josh Rubin's brief moment in the film as the, the guy in the hospital fucking blew me away, man. That is, I mean, he's, he's basically playing Redfeld, right? And yeah. Uh, it's fucking great. He's unbelievable. I really want to see him in like a traditional Dracula now because I think he could kill it. And he really nailed that tone of, this is kind of funny, but also it's not funny at all. It's upsetting, but it's kind of funny, but also it's upsetting. <laughs> so anyways, I, I don't want to go on too long about it. So apologies for going on so long. But that is the, that is the, the thing I saw, that I, and I thought it was pretty good. But that's all I got. How about you, Justin? Uh, I am plunging, <laughs> I'm sorry, plundering the depths of Tubi recently mm -hmm. to try to get to 100 horror movies from uh, 2022 before the year's over. Um. I'm doing pretty well. I'm clipping along. Um, a move, two movies I watched recently that I really liked. I watched a film called All Eyes. It's on two beats free. Um, the plot is, I think I might quote verbatim from Tubi: a disgraced podcaster receives a letter from a man who claims there's a monster in his backyard or in the woods behind his house, and invites him along to to figure out what's really going on. That's a pretty good. If, if if that gets your attention, great. Watch this movie. Um, but what started out as what is kind of like a goofy, like, buddy romp almost, it turns into like a weird, uh, like a weird almost, um, what's the movie that like, the Christmas movie we did last year about the evil, the, the, the crazy Santa who's like trying to kill that kid. Uh, Dow Code Santa Claus or Deadly yes. Deadly Game, maybe? Or Deadly something Game, like yeah. It's kind of like that. It devolves into a mixture of that and then this, like, really unexpectedly, like, moving examination of, like, grief and, like, um, 
how we deal with loss and how like that can really change who we are and like the things we do to kind of like um keep a person's memory alive and i just found myself like really unexpectedly i mean look i've made no secret about how i am i'm i'm a softy i cry very easily um i get upset even easier uh it doesn't take much to tug at my heartstrings um this movie got me i'm not gonna lie like this movie like it 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 goes from like a kind of like simple premise into this like uh you know it briefly becomes like a like a kind of like this guy trying to survive against i don't want to give too much away because like there is a monster but there's there's more to this movie that this guy has to survive against and then just like um how uh unresolved grief and 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 a sense of loss brought the characters to this part in their lives where they're dealing with this and i just i don't know i i it's a shame it's on tubi it's a shame probably no one will see it um because i thought it was an extremely well done movie um the special effects are kind like there's one scene that's like clearly like a like very clearly a green screen and i think like you know, sometimes like the the thinness of the budget shines through. Um, if you're looking for something that's like heavy on like monster action, you're not going to like this movie because while the monster is there and the filmmakers are good enough to kind of work around, like, you know, I'm not saying this movie is like on the level of Jaws, but if you know why they don't show the shark often in Jaws, you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, there's a reason they don't show the monster a lot in this movie it's because they probably didn't have the budget to show it, but the filmmakers were good enough to kind of get around that and, and, and kind of show the monster's presence in ways that didn't rely on like, I don't know, it running out of the woods and attacking somebody. Um, it's yeah, it's called all eyes. It's on uh Tubi. I really like it. Was this his first feaster? Uh, I'm not sure. First feature. It's, 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 it says it's a brother's Greenlee film. So I'm not sure. I mean, it, it definitely felt like a first film, but I mean, not in like a bad way, like in a, it felt like the first film in a way that like someone who was like prepping to make a feature film finally got the chance to do it and they did it mostly, mostly right. Um, another film I watched, I watched last night that's on Tubi, it's just called Chest. This movie I have a, I don't want to say less favorable, so I'll just say a less consistent opinion of. Um, it's a found footage movie. Uh, which let's be honest, strike one right there, 90% of the time. Um, and the, the premise is in 2016, a group of filmmakers disappeared in the mountains of East Tennessee. Three years later, their footage was found. And it's about these like YouTubers who they have like a, like a YouTube channel about like urban legends or like rural myths. And like, it's called like dark Appalachia or something. And there's this like legend about this like this like chest like a box like a treasure chest that this family found in a cave and it's like haunted or some shit like that so they go to investigate it and it has some genuinely frightening parts there is some genuinely frightening imagery and i'll give this movie credit for one thing it doesn't it doesn't do the whole thing of where like why the fuck are they filming this? Like, there's a lot of, like, exposition in this movie where they're interviewing a lot of people, so it makes sense that they're filming a lot of it. 
And um, it's just that the story is kind of uneven and a lot of shit happens that doesn't really make sense to the overall story that they're trying to tell. And there's a lot of bad CGI in this movie. And it's like, you know, it, it takes a lot for me to like not let that slide because generally I'm like, whatever, I don't fucking care. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes in this movie where I was just like, yeah, that, that, that doesn't look good at all. That like really, you know, if you're, if you're shooting on, Brian, you're, you're a, you're a man of the camera. You know what it's like. If you're shooting on a certain, with a cer certain type of camera, CGI is just going to like not look well with that. Like you can't put like computer imagery on like a fucking and with like camcorder footage. It just looks janky as shit. Yeah. It just takes a lot um, of work to get it, to make it look like it blends with the rest of the image. Exactly. I mean, it can't yeah. be done, but it's just, it takes a lot of work and someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so that one, I mean, if you like, if you're like a big fan of found footage and you want to check it out, it's on Tubi. It's just called chest, you know, sure. Check it out. But I can't recommend that as, as heartily and as, and as, and as, happily as i do with all eyes um and besides that that's that's all i've really done involving har recently all right so we're going to take a quick break and we come back we're going to talk about the british slasher film um that was uh, too british i'll say it was too it was stop too, stop it was too british <laughs> uh don't open till christmas We'll be right back. Present from the people who brought you Friday the 13th. Now comes Don't Open Till Christmas. A homicidal maniac is loose at Christmas. His target is Santa Claus. No one dressed as Santa Claus is safe. His death toys are a spear, a gun, an open razor, a dagger, or a garrote. Execution by any means. Don't open till Christmas. Some Santa Clauses ignore the warnings. He surely wouldn't attack a woman. <laughs> Don't open till Christmas with special guest star Carolyn Monroe. Terror drives one Santa Claus into a house of wax. Amidst the wax and plaster, a real body, warm flesh, wet blood. Don't open until Christmas. What possible reason could I have for going around killing Santas? Oh, none. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming to get you. So, Santa, did you bring me any presents? I'm... Not the real one. Starring Edmund Purdom, who knows there are only three more killing days till Christmas. Don't open till Christmas. If you do, you may not see in the new year. And we are back to talk about 1984's don't open till don't open till Christmas. I believe is how it's the original title. Um. Okay. This is a movie. Did you which make man's... tea during the break? Yeah, I did. I, I had tea, and then I uh I ruined India during the break because I'm British. <laughs> Fuck. Um. 
Okay, so I didn't hate this movie. Oh, that's how we're going to start. That's how it's going to start. <laughs> okay, wait. Before we get into that, I want to say a few things about the movie. Because I think... Oh, God. Well, because we don't usually do... People listen to the show know. We don't do a lot of film facts on this show. And I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that's why people listen to the show. In this case, the film facts, I think, will impact the 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 opinion or not the opinions but some of what we have to say about the movie and that's this one of the main characters though it's hard to say who's the main character of this movie is uh inspector ian harris played by edmund purden right purdom purdom uh edmund purdom was also the director of the movie and uh he ended up quitting filming midway through so that someone else had to come in and direct. And not only did someone else had to come in and direct, they had to rewrite the movie, obviously, because he's the main cop in charge of the case. So uh, that's kind of fucked. And in, in case you couldn't tell watching this movie, principal filming for this movie began in 1981 for a movie that came out wow. in 84. So that gives you an idea of how things went. Uh, in fact, they went so well that eventually despite his very, from what I understand, controversial abandonment of the movie, man came back. The man came back and directed the movie again and played the role again. And then they had to get all the motherfuckers back to play their roles too. And, uh, and uh, I, I just got to say here, before we go into the movie, to or judging the movie, all of that I think is on screen. I think every aspect of the fucking nightmare it was to apparently to make this movie is in this fucking movie. Like from yeah, that from, makes total sense. From the total beginning, this movie is edited by people who either don't know how to edit a movie, just possible, I guess, or people who just don't have the fucking footage they need to make all of this movie feel good and make I, sense. I honestly thought I was watching a bootleg because this movie starts so goddamn abruptly. I was like, wait, am I am I missing something? Like it just like that this that makes this movie oh, this movie such a fucking shit show. Oh. It's funny because I knew going in that the thing that made me feel better about this movie would make you mad. So now you're more mad at the movie than you were before. Whereas yes. I'm like, yo, they did the best they could, man. They didn't have did a lot do, of money. So, okay. <laughs> did they do the best they could though? I think in the situation, I mean, it's also worth saying, and this is not a fun fact, this is a very unfun fact, which is that um the uh, uh, the gentleman who plays his brother and the killer in the movie uh, infamously ended his life before the movie came out, uh, unrelated to the movie. But he had a uh, his wife had passed away from cancer tragically, and he had a drinking problem, and he ended up uh, killing himself. And this was the last thing he did. And that's the second movie we've done where a, an actor has taken their own life. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's a real bum out. Uh, and in this case, it's the whole story. I mean, I just read it on Wikipedia, but it seems like his whole life had a lot of various tragic things going on. And, you know, knowing that this is, I think, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, that this is the last production he ever did, uh, or at least the last thing he did that came out or whatever, that, um, that the fact that it is such a troubled movie. Now... <clears throat> I want to say, because I think I'm going to give you plenty of time, Justin, to talk about all the things you found frustrating. Uh, I just want to, spoiler for me, and I think there are other people who will agree with this, I think this movie's a mess, right? In the way that a lot of 80s 
low budget horror, uh, not made in Japan is a mess, uh, because it's just sort of thrown together and they did what they could. I don't know. There are parts of this I find kind of charming and fun. There's some stuff I like in this. I don't hate this movie, but I think that there's a lot of uphill battle that the stuff I like in this movie has to do when the movie is like, it's cut together in a way that just feels like everyone knows, right? Like whoever put this movie out had to know, like, this isn't really done. This isn't a finished movie, right? Like this doesn't quite all make sense. There's like a, a few too many red herrings here. Oh, like, just don't say. I I really got to the point where I started to think like, wow, this thing has red herrings like a like an old Giallo movie. I started to question my fucking sanity at the amount but, of red but, herrings that was in this I, movie. But when I read about the production, I wonder if the red herrings are unintentional. Like, I wonder if at a point in production, some of the red herrings were actually going to be the killers, but then they had to change it. You know what I mean? Like, I I wonder how many of those red herrings are really, so there's no scripts. What I'm saying is there's no script supervisor is what I'm, is, is my feeling on watching this movie is that no one's in charge. No one knows what's happening. And the ending is the most random shit I've seen in a long time. Uh, Justin, I know you have some strong opinions. About uh, I wouldn't let Brian go first because he's oh, yeah, our guest. Go ahead, Brian, Brian, please. What did, how did you feel about this movie? Uh, that knowing what what uh, Liam just explained to me now makes much more sense. Like it, yeah. It, it felt like midway through they, you, like you said, that they started going. You know what? Maybe the sergeant's actually the killer. So they start leaning <laughs> right, into exactly. that, and then that person leaves, and they go, "Oh, we got the other director back." And goes, "Well, I think that's an interesting idea, and we can do something with it." But really, it's it's my brother. That's who the killer is. And they're like, okay, cool. So maybe we'll go that way. It's just that was the the movie I, I actually thought was really fun in a lot of ways. Um, but it felt like it was about 20 minutes too long. And it just like, <coughs> there was all this like more people getting stabbed in the stomach. Yes. Like if they, if they just took all the, the stomach stabbings and just made it a montage of like one crazy night for Santa or for the killer. I think I would have enjoyed it more, but it's just like it kept, it just like another person goes on a walk at night yes. and gets stabbed and then another person gets stabbed and none of, there's no real rhyme or reason other than just to have more gore or more super bright red, red blood spots on people's white shirts. But it also just the, I, I kind of got lost. I kept getting lost with the, someone would come in and go, you need to make sure you watch Sergeant so-and-so. And I'm like, is there a different Sergeant? Is there a new guy who's actually the bad guy? But then I go, Oh no, you got to watch the inspector. He's the one who's got, so, yeah, I found the, it very The worst red herring was her boyfriend, right? Because we see a killing when he's in the room and it's he doesn't do it, right? So I kept yeah. thinking, if they're going to make it the boyfriend, how are they going to pull that shit off? There's, I kept it, thinking maybe they were in cahoots somehow. Like, I it's guess. like, I obviously can't have done it because you just saw me in the room when the murder happened. But then you find out maybe they're gay lovers or something and that ends up being yeah, the twist. I guess, but, yeah, I... I, I Oh man. Well, and I, I, I gotta say, while I, I am in defensive mode, cause I know Justin's going to talk shit on the movie. I do have to say, Brian, it's not a good sign to say a movie is maybe 20 minutes too long. That's only 86 minutes, right? It's not that this is a two hour movie. This is a very short movie and it's maybe 20 minutes too long. That's a bummer. This could have been a good maybe short 10 film. minutes, <laughs> maybe 10 I, minutes. I, but I, think, I, mean, I just feel I like there's a lot to, that could be trimmed back yes. on it. Well, and I don't think you're wrong. I think what it is is that it doesn't feel, once you finish the movie, that the movie knew where it was headed, that it feels somewhat improvised. And I and, and it does one of those things that just that we've talked about in the past, which is 
a slasher movie doesn't need to be a murder mystery, right? It's a slasher movie. We don't actually care who the killer is in the sense of we need clues or something. And the movie starts to get that vibe midway through that maybe this is like an actual mystery that you're supposed to figure out. But then it smashes all that work by revealing that the random reporter guy is not only not a reporter, but the but the inspector's brother who's been in a mental hospital. That's not a clue. That's some shit you just pulled out of nowhere. Like that vibe of being like, are you figuring it out? Are you putting the clues together? Oh, well, here's a random thing you couldn't possibly have known. And also doesn't make a lot of sense, but here we go. This is what's happening. And and then the whole motivation being what? That I just wanted to give him a real case or some shit? You know they made that up after they got him back, after he quit the movie. And they're like, how do we justify that he's back in the movie? Uh, 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 I wanted to give him a real case. Yeah, that works. Let's go with that. I will say that the uh, photo, sh- the photo uh, studio scene yes. was very entertaining though yes there was like little 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 <laughs> moments that i found that i found myself rewinding and rewatching, which is maybe why i felt it was too long because i just kept rewatching my favorite scenes but that scene the twist or the flip of the boyfriend from being a caring boyfriend to basically secretly pimping his girlfriend out was i mean i just i couldn't i couldn't wrap my mind around how someone would write that and think that 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 was going to be believable well, I- and not, whole, just, and not just funny, I guess. Their whole life doesn't make sense. She is a a privileged heiress from what they've said, and they spend all their time busking, and then he wants her to do, like, a nude photo shoot that might be actual sex. Like, it might be, like, like intercourse porn. And it's like, wait, what? It's, how many posh girls <laughs> are like, yeah, I guess film me fucking, I don't know. Sounds good to me. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and they also he. I mean, maybe maybe this was a setup. I did, I I felt like he actually just honestly ran into that his old buddy who's the photographer. Like they just ran into each other like an hour or two before that. He's just like, "Well, I got this new thing. I'm doing some photography." And he goes, "Oh, cool." He goes, "Oh, maybe you should come by tonight." And he goes, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a few years, but yeah, sure, I'll come by." Also, <laughs> take all my clothes off and my wife's clothes <coughs> off, her girlfriend's clothes off. Crazy. It's just I. I, I Justin, you did not like. Well, I don't know if I would go so far as say you did not like. I'll let you say that, but I will say you you definitely aren't a fan. I would say of this movie. Uh, no, I think the movie's a mess, and I think the fucking red herrings are. As soon as that Giles guy called in, as soon as that fucking guy called in, I was like, "That's the killer." I don't yeah, know how. You know, you know, it that's the, whole the time. killer. Um, and then like the whole thing where they were like, "Oh, it's secretly his brother." I was like, "I couldn't," uh, like. You know what this? I think I've used this comparison before. Um, there's the one episode of The Simpsons, The Treehouse of Horror, where Homer is trying to tell like scary stories, and he's like, and then he came in the house with a hockey stick, and Lisa's like, so, and she's like, he's like, remember when I said her husband liked hockey, and Bart's like, no, and it's like, it, it, it's like there's all these little things like they just shoehorn in there to kind of fit like the classic slasher like. Oh, of course, the, the, the killer has to be connected to the, the protagonist in some way that they do zero work for until the very end, uh, mind you. Um, and I think they only do that to make the ending make sense. And even then, it's still fucking stupid. Uh, I just I can't help but think this is like a bad variation upon like Christmas Evil. 
Except like like the motivation for it is like this yo my my mom was getting her pussy eaten by Santa Claus. Ah like <laughs> um Christmas uh, Evil That's not what happens, Justin. No, I know. His, his dad fucks uh a girl and then and then I think pushes his mom down the stairs. It's pretty fucked up actually when you I'm think saying, about it. I'm saying in some way, shape, or form, he is connected Santa Claus to the sins of his parents. Sure. Okay. I just think Christmas Evil did it so much better and in such a you know, um I don't know, fucking like like Tom and Jerry kind of way, like I I don't know. I I just this this like I'm I'm with Brian. Like this movie could have been like the the whole thing with like the stripper where like he goes back to the peep show and it's like I, I don't know. You're like defeated by this movie. This is not the reaction I was expecting at all. You this movie like broke you somehow. No, I I don't think it it broke me. It was just like. It starts like I I think honestly it was like one of those things that it started out. It it came out of the gate badly, and it makes sense now that it was like so badly edited, and I was kind of like off kilter from that. And then the more things that like kept piling up, where I was just like, no, this isn't like fucking clever, and like I don't know. I really was not expecting you to be this <laughs> sad about you you you. Th- you really wanted this to be less of uh, a, 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 a low thought production than it was. Yeah, because honestly, like, what's weird is, like, I'm not a, I'm not a big slasher guy. But I do enjoy, like, a disproportionately, like, amount, a disproportionate amount of, like, Christmas-themed slashers. You know what I mean? Like, Black Christmas is great. Silent Night, Deadly Night is great. Christmas Evil is amazing. Um, Gremlins is does that count as a Christmas slasher? No. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Christmas horror films are gen- genuinely generally fun for me. I understand that. I like Christmas. I like horror. The two should work together. This just didn't. I, I, this just didn't flow for me. I mean. Well, it definitely doesn't. I don't think it flowed for anyone. Yeah, I'm not. I, it's not that I think you're wrong, but I feel like we've watched worse movies that have bummed you out less than this. Name one. Uh, well, I was about to say one, but it actually bummed you out a lot. I was about to say Slaughter High is definitely worse than this. Oh God, that uh, was a but you, that that would also bummed you out. Let me think about it. Uh, I'll come back to you, but I do think there are I. I I do think this movie is bad in the sense of it's badly executed, but I had fun with it. I I was not bored. Uh, and the things that I found anno- like annoyingly executed, I was amused by. Is it bottom of the barrel when it comes to Christmas horror? Maybe. I mean, I'll say this. It's bottom of the barrel when it comes to classic Christmas horror. When it comes to Christmas horror, more in the like later 2000s like some of the straight to uh DVD stuff that came out uh it's not that bad you know i'll take this over some of the more modern stuff that's come out uh i've definitely you know for a while me and Doug on cinema smorgasbord 
we're doing uh, uh, an episode around Christmas where we covered movies that played the Christmas Film Fest in Germany somewhere. I don't know where fucking where Berlin. I don't know. Somewhere in Germany. They have a Christmas Film Fest where they just show Christmas movies, but they're all like genre Christmas movies. Like they're not showing like It's a Wonderful Life, you know, they're showing like movies that are kind of, you know, in a specific area. And uh, and a lot of the movies we chose from the fest, we just chose randomly. We had never heard of them. And there are some real bad movies. And I would take this over a lot of modern. Well, these were all a few years old, so not modern, like just came out, but modern in the sense of like later 2000s, early 2010s, Christmas horror. There is a ton. And, you know, earlier I said I've been plunging the depths of Tubi. Yeah. Um, for every one good movie on Tubi, there's 40. Yes. That are like. Like, and you want to talk about Christmas horror, there's like the Revenge of the Krampus, Rise of the Krampus, Krampus. Like, there's so many Jesus Krampus. Christ. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are so many Krampus related horror movies, and none of them are good. So, that's what I, for me, and I don't know if this is a combination of nostalgia, right? And uh, the fact that this is British in a very bad way, so I can mock it. And regardless of what we're talking about here, I mean, a Santa does get his dick cut off. Like, let's give the movie its 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 you know its laurels here. Sure. A Santa gets its dick cut gets his dick cut off. Uh, there's a, f- a really uncomfortable scene where the killer can't murder uh the 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 model because he thinks she's a Santa, but then when he sees her breasts, suddenly he's incapable of doing violence. Like, there's a lot of like. I mean, we've all. Been I was there. I was wondering about that scene because because I mean he lingers oh. on her for a long time and he's like taking his razor and just oh, caressing yes. her body. And then he, and then he goes away. And I was just like, I was trying to figure out what, did he get so horny that he had to run off? I don't, I, or did uh, he have a thing about killing women? I, so I, I, I suspect at some point they did have a reason for that to happen. And then it got lost. It got lost in the sauce, my man. It just went away. And it makes yeah. it, it makes it a decision. Like decisions are being made, right? They're making decisions. I just don't well, think the they always with, know why. It's the same way with the uh, the dick cutting too, because yeah. most of them he sneaks up, he stabs you, and then he runs away. He did it. He did it a ton of times. But there's like a couple of moments, like with that one, where he doesn't just go kill the guy. He sneaks up. Behind, he hides in a toilet for someone to come in who happens to be the Santa Claus. Sneaks up behind him, chops his dick off, which I guess I guess he bleeds out from that that wound, and then he uh, takes off. Yeah. Where everybody else, he's just like straight up stabbing him in the heart and then walking away. Yeah. Like chopping someone's dick off seems a little <coughs> more personal just than just like a subway stabbing. I mean, here's but, a, here's the thing. Brian, I think the sin, this, the penis is the source yeah. of the sin of his father. I, I was going to say this movie is skeezy intentionally. And in fact, if besides the continuity errors, perhaps the greatest failure of the movie is I don't think it quite gets it gets to the level of sweaty and uncomfortable that it's aiming for. I think yeah. this wants to be a true exploitation, lurid, just uncomfortably sweaty movie. But in being so British, it just can't get there. It makes a few <laughs> decisions here and there that are gross, but I think it wants to be even grosser than it is, and it just can't do it, man. Even the seed the first scene with the stripper and it's supposed to be really lurid. Here's this gross Santa guy and he's going to go jerk off to this lady. And it's supposed to be like 
this is what the world, this is sex world where women are behind glass and men are jerking off. And then the whole thing just feels <laughs> awkward. Like it's not, I've, you know, I, I'm sure we've all watched some lurid, you know, voyeuristic films before. And this movie, I think, wants that. And even when it has some of the most unjustifiable nudity ever, it still feels a little uptight. It just never gets quite to like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I guess here's here's some breasts unnecessarily. All right, yeah, I guess know, we'll move on. You know, it's when just. The, when the cops go to see the uh, the model that he was photographing, yeah, yeah. they are so just polite and nice to each uh-huh. other. Yeah. Like, she's like, do you want to come in and have some tea and crumpets and we'll talk about the case for a little bit? And they're like, I really wish I could, but I've got to, to run. I'll leave, I'll leave Thomas here with you. Right. And, and was- even the, even the conversation. So like, so you were, uh, so you were shooting pornography, which by the way, at this time in England is, is basically illegal. Yeah. That's what we were doing. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. See you later. Like the whole thing is just like, seems like you have a good reason to be doing it. Yeah, the whole thing is just so strange. I mean, I guess maybe that's what it is. I found the movie more strange than annoying, so it didn't make me mad. But if someone was like, would you rather watch this or Christmas Evil? I'm going to go with Christmas Evil. You know, it just it doesn't work enough for me to be like, I'm in 100%. You know, I would also rather do, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I might even also be willing to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3. Wait, was it part three that we liked or part four? Uh, part three was the one where Bill Mosley is like the fucking weird. Because part two is the garbage day. One. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm discounting that. We watched for an episode. We did three and four. And yes. we liked one and didn't like the other. But I keep forgetting which is which. I, I, see, I, I think I the Brian remember. using the one is four, right? Yes, Brian. Yeah, the the one with Clint Howard is the one that we really like. Yeah. Okay. 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 The point Wait, is, is, part, is part four the one that has Mickey Rooney in it. Mickey Rooney. Whoa. Yeah. Or maybe that's five. I don't know. Now I'm really curious. I have no idea. Anyways, point is, all <laughs> I'm trying to say is, I found it uh, more amusing, I think, than you did, Justin, but. Uh, it, do I find, did I, did I think that the, the idiosyncrasies of it were charming enough that I didn't mind that for the most part, the shit didn't make sense? No, not really. It's, it's, I don't think it's like a movie I would tell people to avoid at all costs, but I certainly don't think it's like a, yo, you need to, you need to find this movie and watch it. This is so important. You need to get on this shit. Nah, man, this is, this was, uh, not the strongest movie we've ever, we've ever watched, unfortunately. No, not even close. Brian, I'm glad you're amused by how much we're talking about this terrible movie. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think when I got into it, when I, if it would have taken itself a little more serious and I, I mean, it was tedious in parts, but it had such weird scenes in it. And, and it was just like you said, so bizarre. I was kind of really entertained and we already said who the killer was, so I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about the package he gets at the end. Like, I wanted that to happen. I was like, what is going to be in this package that he shouldn't open till Christmas? So when it blew up, I was actually very stoked. <laughs> I, I got to say, that was pretty great because I definitely didn't see that coming at all. But also that I was like, 
what a weird way to end this movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's as weird as the whole thing, which is why I can't hate it because it's just like, I don't know. I So I, I took a video of the dick getting chopped off and I sent it to all my closest friends. And just that alone brought me so much joy that the movie now has a special place for me. I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. I will say, I will say um, you were correct. Uh, part five features both Mickey Rooney and Clint Howard. So that's fun. Jesus so Christ. when I first got out here to L.A., I ended up meeting um, James Mathers, who is a DP, and he shot part five. I didn't know this until like years later, but I was working with him just doing like camera assistant stuff. He's also um, Leave it to Be- Beaver's brother in real life. Sure. Um, Jim Mathers. And um, he shot that and they were showing it here. And I was like, Oh, I like called him. We hadn't talked to him. I was like, you got to go. Like, they're going to be there. They're showing it at the Egyptian. Their directors or the director is going to be there. You got to go. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's Mickey Rooney in it. So I don't think he had a very good um, experience with making Silent Night, Deadly Night five. Bummer. But I'm glad to know him. Well, are you guys ready to talk about <coughs> yeah. Christmas, Bloody Christmas? Let's do it. All right. All we're right. going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the 2022 Techno Slaughter Massacre Fest. Uh, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas, Bloody Christmas. We'll be right back. The U.S. Defense Department has spent over a trillion dollars on the most cutting-edge robot technology. Introducing Robo Santa Plus for the upcoming holiday season. What are you going to do this fine Christmas Eve? I was potentially going to go meet up with a dude. I've blown him off twice already, so come on, get a drink with your old pal, Robbie. What's up with you two? I uh, just grabbed him a drink. I talk her out of some tender trash. You didn't oh. talk me out of anything. Sick Christmas! Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! new animatronic state-of-the-art Santa Claus featured at our own TW Bonkers is now the subject of an international recall. Santa? from the boys down at the scene yet. They're still down there counting bodies. And we are back to talk about 2022's Christmas horror film, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. 
Written directed by Joe Bagos. Uh, it's a movie. Now, I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. I could have done without all the Kevin Smith fucking bullshit in this movie. The dialogue. I'm sorry. There are words in the English language that aren't fuck. And that means a lot coming from me because I swear way too much. But watching this movie, I was like, this isn't Goodfellas or Casino. Guys, let's take it down a notch. <laughs> now, that being said, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Ah, um, there it is. Nice. I thought the way it looked was fantastic. Um, I thought the lighting was like a strange Argento <laughs> LSD nightmare. I thought that was great. Um, and most importantly, I thought the, uh, this is weird because I don't really care about stuff like this, but I thought the kills were exactly what, uh, I guess Joe Bagos was going for. Like, I know like the, the, the hyper violence was, was done in a way that wasn't exhausting. Like a Rob zombie movie was, mm -hmm. um, and I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been interesting since uh, the movies come out. I I hear a lot of the same criticisms of it, and and we watched it with a lot of people before it was released when they were still like going through the editing process. And he would just do screening like get-togethers with different people to watch it and take notes, and then kind of go back and edit. And the dialogue at the beginning was always like kind of a, a split between most people that came in. Either they thought it was too much. Or they, they loved it. I mean, that's what Joe likes. I mean, Joe could listen to people debate um, Blair Witch sequels all day long because that's what he likes <laughs> to do. Like a lot of those conversations were ones that we had going to work when he was trying to convince me Pet Cemetery 2 was better than the first one. And I Get just, the fuck oh out of here. I just wasn't having it. But he that's a real opinion and a real conversation that we had. So he likes that stuff. But also the fucks that are in it, I forget, they counted them and I think they, I forget what it was, how many fucks per minute, but uh, Josh, the editor, actually did count them and has an answer for that, and it's, I think, some sort of new world record or something. Not not intentionally, but that's what it ended up being. It just, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, uh, I don't know, like, it was there, was, there was a weird earnestness there in that. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's how Joe talks. When you talk to Joe especially when he gets excited about something that you're listening to Joe talk. <laughs> uh, I want to say, well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like one of the things that like I really appreciated was like the, there was that weird earnestness with the, like, I don't know the way, like the relation, the, the, like their relationship, like quickly became like more than just like bought then, then um, to quote, to quote Depeche Mode master and servant. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I kind of like I've been there, not with my boss because my boss is a 75 year old man, but like with female friends where it was like, are we or aren't we? And then all of a sudden we were. And I kind of was like, okay, that's like a weirdly, like it's a weirdly realistic, I guess. I don't know. Um, but you that know, was something about this. What's up? Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that's just a, a, a really kind of just shows how good Riley and Sam were. They're just really, I mean, they're both just great actors. Um, oh yeah. 
they they and I mean they hung out and they were around, but it was just really interesting having read the script and you see all the stuff happen and you don't really know how it's going to play out exactly until it does. But getting to watch them do it, like Riley is just an amazing actor, and Sam is also. I mean, they were just very good together, and they would just do it over and over again. And as the scenes progressed, you could see them falling into playing these characters, and also a lot of times they were kind of. Um, mimicking Joe because they would watch Joe and then I would see them insert little Joeisms into the things that they were saying. Oh, that's awesome. And it just, and it just made it more real. And um, I, that, I think that's really just a testament to their performance. I mean, the writing is, is Joe's words, but I think that the connection between them really has more to do with those two actors. That makes me appreciate this movie actually a lot more than I did. <laughs> I, uh, I want to say, uh, Brian, that your evaluation sort of plays out in the sense that like after I watched the movie, I went on Letterboxd to see what, you know, friends and people I follow had to say. And it was really interesting to me to see the split, (coughs) the split, like people are really divided because a good half of the reviews are like, well, I don't really like the dialogue at the beginning. It just feels a little forced to me. But then when it gets going, I had a lot of fun with it, and I like this, that, blah, blah, blah. And then other people who are like, yeah, I love their relationship, and I love the chemistry, and I thought the dialogue was really great. But then once it gets going, you know, there was there was less of them together, and then I just was less interested. And I thought, huh, I don't understand that second perspective at all. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. c- for me, well, I actually... The part of the dialogue at the beginning that I like is that these are two people who are working at a place that you only feel comfortable working if you are someone with niche interests and you have people that you can relate to who also have those interests and you can have a conversation about it. That all felt very real to me, right? Mm -hmm. But after a while, it was getting so snappy and so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, just the, 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 the F-bombs were getting to the point where I was like, yo, do people really say fuck this much? This is a lot of fucks that I started to feel like, is this forced? It, starts, it started to feel a little unnatural. Uh, but that being said, I felt like their performances were really strong. It just it just was like I was less captivated by that aspect. I just thought, okay, this is fine, whatever. I actually thought, even though it's a brief period of time, like which I guess is a spoiler, so apology for spoilers, uh, when they're together and they're not doing the dialogue, you know, and I don't just mean the 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 sex scene, but also once shit starts to pop off and they're trying to figure it out. I thought all that was really well done as well. And that is not dialogue heavy, right? That is whatever. And then, um, you know, really once this initial thing where we're seeing them, their lives and their world, once the shit starts to hit the fan, it kind of hits the fan unceasingly (laughs) until, until there's a bit of a breather and she has some dialogue that is with the police chief. And in that scene, I felt myself more appreciating her acting abilities because um, the dialogue made more sense to me. But I felt like 
it was more because I wasn't as distracted by her interactions. I was like, this is really good. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times when a movie with this much excitement takes a breather, the breather is like a kind of cringy or it doesn't quite work. But when she goes in the bathroom to wash the blood off, like, you know, it's a quick scene because things start to get crazy again pretty quickly, but she fucking sells it. Like, I just was like, all right, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. Like now, granted, if I thought, and this is maybe evidence for my thoughts about the last movie. If I thought all the acting wasn't great, but I loved all the the unmitigated violence, I think I'd still like the movie. I think I'd still be into it. But I think because I think a lot of the performances, actually, including the police chief, who I, I guess is uh, Herman Munster. Is that right? Is he also Herman yeah. Munster and the Munsters? Um, as well as some of the other police in the film and some of the other side characters that are that are a part of it. I really like a lot of their performances and there's actually a lot of like a uh, very believable world to this as well as then un uh un uh, apologetic violence from a robot Santa, which I just, you know, I, I'm all about. Uh, I really got sold on this and also had a very good time. We had never actually gotten to my opinion of the movie. I really liked it. Um, <laughs> I was, I was a little worried going in because like I said, I wasn't quite sold. You know, I, I kind of think, uh, the Jonah Ray stuff was also a little over the top, like like uh, uh, with him and his his lady friend. I was like, all right, all right, Jonah, I get it. We're okay, but uh, but then once Santa starts doing his thing, once the the death Santa, plus the whole idea that we're in this scenario where, like you know, we're in an alternative world where there are the possibility for sentient robots decommissioned from i mean that possibility probably already exists but i mean it literally exists in this in this space i really liked the way that was kind of sold to us as the audience as well oh you mean like fucking something ocp would make in robocop yeah yeah 100 (laughs) percent um i mean considering that uh what was it san francisco had to actually decide if they were going to authorize robots to kill people or not right like that was uh, the city council shocking typical um, anyways, point is, I was a little worried at first because I don't know that that part was as strong as it got later on. Once things get tense, there's still people talking to each other, but it felt a little more real. And even the comedic aspect of her brother-in-law, like not quite being like present the way everyone else is for what the fuck that is going so on. Good. It was so yeah. <laughs> good. He nailed that. That could easily be, that could have been way dumber than it was and it would have been fine but it wouldn't have like made the movie better it just would have been like oh and this happens that's fine whatever i thought actually that was really funny but also done in a way that worked for the rest of the movie and i thought that yeah. that's really hard to pull off um i also think uh you know i don't know i guess this movie's early enough that i don't want to like get too much into the end but I, you know there, there there there's a part of this that's reminiscent of other robot movies like and what? i i appreciate like that and i appreciate that that's all i'm gonna say because i'm not trying to spoil weird anything. uh i don't want to terminate this conversation but i'll go further <laughs> with it <laughs> okay but to be fair we could also say hardware if we wanted to just we could that. i mean but those, i mean those were ones that we we looked at those a lot and partly it was like how do you shoot a robot and make him look menacing when he's just really made out of plastic but we we looked at all those we looked at all those movies and i know that joe i mean when he was writing probably influenced by them as well uh i like the fact that it had the um this is gonna sound like super obsessive and neurotic on my part but uh blow me because it makes sense 
Uh, the eye laser beams. So where he was like detecting and scanning and all that. Um, I once read that like HR Geiger designed the xenomorphs to not have eyes because the scariest thing would be the scariest thing was to not know if something was looking at you. And he figured like that would be like terrifying in the design of that. I kind of liked that the the opposite worked in here and where we could see where this thing was looking based on those like weird laser lights. Uh, I don't, there was just something haunting about that, especially the shots from like where it was the cross the room, kind of like obviously like a shitty puppet. Like it worked in its favor that it looked so fucking janky because it looked like it looked like it what it was a malfunctioning robot. Like it just wasn't working all that well. And there was something that like kind of got under my skin about that. Well, I thought you were something that we were talking about the other day is using the laser beams as kind of uh like the the barrels and jaws is like sometimes we can see her reacting to knowing what he's looking at and so it feels tense like we're waiting for her to run around uh one of the 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 shelves or something like that and we don't know exactly where he's at but we know what he's looking at and we kind of can infer based on like the angle or whatever how far away he is and whether she can turn or she has a chance to run away and so a lot of times, like if it, it, the, the robot, we didn't have a whole lot of angles to shoot from. So there's a lot of the same, like <coughs> lower angles looking up at him. But when we're on her and we see the lasers passing by stuff in the background, it gives us a sense of the geography and what this robot's doing, which I thought was ended up. I don't know that that was part of the original plan, but once we got it in there and started blocking it out, you're like, oh, we can do a lot more with these eyes than we really intended, which I thought was cool. That's yeah, that's that's. That's actually really fat. The Jaws comparison is actually really, really fucking fascinating. I really appreciate that. Um, talk, speaking of like uh, performances, I think uh, the young lady's name, uh, Riley Dandy. I think, um, I think she's at her strongest when she is uh, trying to explain the obvious t in the face of disbelieving men. Uh, that scene in the police station where. She's, like, trying to tell the sheriff, like, oh, like, that other cop, he's, like, dead because, like, this fucking robot killed him. And uh, the, the deputy, whoever, like, the other, the, the officer's, like, <coughs> you know, thinks that somehow she killed these people. And, like, she's so frustrated from what she's just seen, you know, and it's, you know, like, a, it's taken a, a hit for the personal because she's just watched some of her fucking family get killed. Um... I don't know. There was like a believability, not just in like the grief she was portraying, but also like the exasperation with like people mm -hmm. who are supposed to be competent and in charge and who are supposed to be the ones helping are just like incompetent as all get out. And she has to be the one that kind of like, um, I mean, I, what comparison could I make to like a woman taking a stand against a robot after like, all the competent characters, traditionally competent. I'm sure there's a movie out there that, that does that, where there's, like, a guy, and he's really tough, and he gets killed by a robot, and then a woman has to, like, um, she has to step up, and, and she has to go against it. Um, <laughs> I think she did, I, I think her performance, she very easily could have just channeled Linda Hamilton, and she mm -hmm. didn't, and I really appreciate that, and she did it in a, in a way that was, like, her own. 
And yeah, I think that when she's when she's there and she's like, I can smell the booze on your breath. She's like, yes, I was drinking before. I was smoking I some weed, weed too. like, but but I am totally sober right now. I just watched him kill my sister and all this stuff yeah. just happened to her. And I think that when she says that, it it feels kind of honest. She's just like, yeah, there's bigger problems than you meet having a shot of whiskey a couple hours. ago. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was. Uh, I don't know. It was it was definitely like an example of someone like being like we can focus we can focus it on these like miniature like minuscule problems or we can you know you know try to escape the fucking killer robot that's coming after us yeah did you feel you know one of the other complaints that i've heard which i didn't notice before it just never dawned on me and but i can see where why why people feel this way is that they felt like the the robot died too many times that it just kept coming back or getting really fucked up and keeps coming back did that did that sit in a weird way with you guys uh no i actually thought it made it scarier uh because it was like i mean it, it gets shot like what twice yeah and it kind of like i don't know like i'm i, I was kind of on board for that but again there's just <sighs> you know it does quote unquote come back from the dead a few times but I don't know. Like, I just think that, like, unrelenting, just, like, unkillable thing, like, sure, it, it might be a trope. It might be, like, a beat-to-death device. But there is something that's, like, so primordial, primordially scary about that, especially when it's a robot that doesn't really have any motive. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, um, it, it, it's not like uh, in fucking Friday the 13th where it's like, ah, oh, teenagers are horny. We have to kill them. Or Halloween yeah. where it's like, ah, my sister, we have to kill her. Or Freddy or Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, this. This is just like, they don't ever really explain, you know, it's like, oh, the robot malfunctioned. Okay. So it's like, that's like my toaster trying to kill me. And there's just something that's like so scary about the impersonal nature of something that's just trying to kill you because it's like, it's malfunctioning. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, again, I, I, have I mean, I mean like, oh. to be fair, I think that in a sense they're malfunctioning but in a sense they're not right like these unlike your toaster these are actually kill bots that they decided not to use in the field and they're like we'll just repackage them as santa claus which <laughs> might sound like a ridiculous <laughs> premise for people but uh i don't know it sounds believable to me personally like i i just that that aspect is kind of silly i guess but it comes out of a perspective on for me at least how uh certain decisions seem to be made uh especially by our uh military complex that i was like yeah this makes sense i can see this 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 will happen that's what i originally liked about the script yeah. is that it doesn't really dig too deep into it. No. And they keep asking, they're like, I don't know. I don't know why it's doing this. I don't know why it's dressed up like a Santa Claus. Like all these things, because I feel like when people start really trying to explain the unexplainable or, or just some glitch in the system, it ends up getting hokey and you get bogged down and having to uh, dig up facts and, connections well, together that, and in this one that never happens you're just well like, there's no there's also no like MacGuffin, right like a lot of times lore comes up so that we have a reason for the hero to have a secret weapon that'll let them get away and then this movie like we know it's a robot but like that doesn't mean it's obvious what to do like there's no like thing where you're like oh if only she had done this that would have been the end it's like i don't know she's trying everything she fucking can to take this thing out you know yeah 
He's just a stoner who works at a record store. He doesn't know yeah. anything about robots. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like this movie. You know, it's... Uh, while I was watching it, it made me want to revisit... Um, what's the first movie he did? About the... Uh, Almost Human? Yeah. I didn't like that movie when I first saw it. Seen it in a very long time. It makes me want to revisit that. Uh yeah, I like. I, I I generally like aliens. They don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any weird <laughs> things about aliens at all. No, I don't. <laughs> I still haven't seen Fire in the Sky. Oh, you fucker! I just I just, I just wanted to admit that on your. <clears throat> Thank mean, you. There's not. You're not missing a single Fuck, thing. Suck my fucking balls. <laughs> really, you just skip it all together. I just think that'd be better damn it. for everybody. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Brian. I, I just want you, I want you to know, and I want everyone listening to know that if I thought it sucked, I'd just tell you. Like I just I I don't want people to think that uh, we aren't we aren't going to be straight up, and and I think we were kind of straight up in that that the dialogue, which again works for a ton of people. It's not like a universal thing, uh, from what I can tell. For some people, that's that's really a, a a a strong point. For me, it just it wasn't there, and I don't think. It was. I don't think it's their performance per se, because I think those actors are pretty good. It's it f- for me. It didn't feel always realistic, but yeah. it wasn't like it was ruining the movie for me. It just made me think, like, oh man, like I mean, quite honestly, I wanted to like the movie because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be like, oh, whatever. And I thought, oh no, this this sort of shines a little poorly on how the rest is going to work. But I don't think that's true. Actually, I think. Um, when things get going, it gets really good. And what's more, I feel very good about, you know, sometimes some of the worst dialogue in a horror movie can be what people are saying in their most excited moments. Cause like, you know, uh, line delivery or someone saying something stupid or whatever. And I feel like it, it really works throughout. And one of the hardest scenes is the one that both me and Justin highlighted, which is like, this conversation with these police officers, like what the fuck do you say or how do you interact in this scenario? And I thought that was all very well done. And then, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, again, I'm with you, Justin, like violence isn't usually enough to sell me on something. Uh, but I do like it when it is fun and well done. I thought it was really great. And then the, the part that is me kind of jerking you off a little bit, Brian, is that uh, the movie looked really good. Like it looked really good. And I kind of knew that, from a lot of people, even before I saw it, that the people who had caught it at Fantastic Fest and stuff, everyone has felt like this is this is this is what we want to see, right? And I and I think that's true, and it really makes me. And this isn't like I think this is like a a thing people are doing now, right? Like we're we're going back to film, right? This is a thing we're gonna do again. We're gonna keep it doing is coming this. up. It is it is uh, coming back around more and more frequently. And, yeah, and I also appreciate that. I'm 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 uh, really proud of the work that we did on it did did on the film and uh so i'm stoked that people seem to responding to that i mean yeah. i have been i did get sent a message the other day that told me it was the worst cinematography they've ever seen so that's it's always fun to wait have, someone like, found you to tell you that <laughs> oh no it was on letterbox or something someone oh, screened yeah, yeah. someone took a picture of it and sent it to me because they thought it was funny which it is funny i mean not everyone's gonna like your movie and that's that's totally fine i'd rather much have have those conversations where right. everybody has an opinion about it than uh just like it all the time but yeah i'm really proud of the work we did so i'm i'm stoked that it seems to be 
um, mostly favorable with people. Um, and, and like, like with the dialogue and everything else, it's, it's pretty split and people, I'm just glad people are going to watch it and they're talking about it. Cause I think that's kind of what you hope for with the film when, or when you make something is that it, people just want to engage each other and talk about it. Were y'all worried about, uh, any sort of like, um, brand confusion with violent night coming out at the same time? I, I don't think we knew until uh, yeah. a couple months ago when they yeah. when when it when they started advertising it. I know when we were when we were making it, we knew that there were other ones being made, but we didn't know they were going to be released at the same time. But here in LA, and maybe it's a good thing because here in LA they're doing. Uh, I think it's at the Tiki Theater. They're doing, which is a drive-in. Sure, they're doing a double feature of Violent Night and Perfect. Christmas Buddy Christmas together. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's yeah. I I I certainly don't mind. I don't remember the last time there were two new Christmas movies I actually wanted to watch, let alone enjoyed after watching. So the fact that there's two new Christmas movies that are both very bloody, one a horror movie, one more of an action movie. I don't, you know, I wasn't alive in 1984 where you got the, the double punch of Silent Night, Deadly Night and Don't Open Till Christmas. So I don't remember <laughs> there being two out in one Christmas season where I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on both of these. Like that's such a fucking treat, you know? So that, yeah. that makes me happy. Although I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't get to catch this in a the theater. I watched it on Shadare. Uh, and I kind of wish I had, honestly, after watching it, I thought, fuck, I wish I'd been able to go see it in the theater. Yeah. I, I, I missed when it was at beyond fest and all the festival run it did. I was working. So I wasn't able to go. So this past Friday was the first time I got to see it in a theater with an audience. And I had so much fun watching. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times already, but watching it with other people just ha has a whole nother level, adds a level to it. But I also heard things I hadn't heard before because the sound mix was so good and the theater was really loud. But like when Jonas says, turn around, I'm going to eat that ass. I, I just like kind of did a spit take. And I think the guys <laughs> next to me didn't know. <laughs> like I really <laughs> didn't remember him saying that line. And so I, I actually was laughing in the <coughs> it's a good it's a like good it, it definitely made me think i mean this isn't what happens but it definitely made me think like oh is this going to be a thing where the santa robot is programmed only to kill the naughty i i did like that pretty quickly you guys are like no nah, he's killing everybody it's this is not a naughty nice thing everyone's yeah. everyone's getting dead but, we, but just because they were so over the top i thought up oh, they're naughty they're gonna get the axe here we go <laughs> All right. Well, that was Christmas. Oh, also, uh, did you guys record a song for this movie? Oh, yeah, we did the uh, the opening of the opening over the title when uh, Tori's going into the record store. That's us. That's fucking dope. I got so excited. Like, <laughs> I, I like I think I text. I, I know I texted you guys. I also texted Kelly when uh, Riley Dandy's character is like, oh, you got to check out this band Death Crux. They're like psychedelic. And I was like, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> I know about that. That's the homie Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, it was it was awesome that Joe did that. I mean, it felt a little bit weird to 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 put it in there, but it was rad that he was like, "No, we'll just put it on here." He's like, "Bring your record, and we'll we'll put it in the scene." And they're in a record store, so it makes sense that it's there. But uh, after we got done, I know he was looking at other at just like different Christmas music and music he wanted to use. Um, and I was like, "Well, what do you?" do you care if we try to write a Christmas song and if you like it, you can use it. And in my mind, it would just be something over the credits or a mix in somewhere. 
So I came back and we rushed rushed into writing a song and trying to get into the studio to record it, to get it to them before they got into sound mixing and everything else. And uh, I did it. We did a really janky demo of it, sent it to them, and they liked it. So, And they started mixing or editing with, with the demo, and so we went and recorded another version of it. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, I was very excited that they decided to go with it. I love that. That makes ma- like, that's so awesome. How many movies have, have, I feel like, have you had songs? You guys have had songs in other movies, right? Is that true? Uh, just, we were in bliss. I mean, the actual okay. band, uh, the band that I'm in is death crux and death crux is in, in uh bliss where the band. Oh band the yes. Bar. I remember now. Right, 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 right. And, and that was so wild. I've never been in front of the camera. Well, I've been in the camera one other time, but that was the only time really that I've ever been on screen before. And it was cool that he used our music for the bar scene. I think we're maybe in the credits too. But yeah, just with, just with Joe, Joe likes, likes to put it on stuff, but he's the only one so far. Okay. Okay. Well, I know (laughs) him, I know both him and Josh are big music people, right? And, uh, Josh, uh, Unlike Joe, I actually ha- have talked to Josh before. Uh, the The most memorable thing is him telling me that all the music I like is too sideways hat for him. Whatever we were talking about, it just, it, you know, this is like when I first met him and he was like, yeah, a lot of the music you like is just a little too sideways hat for me. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, you seem like more of a, of a doom metal-y sort of guy. I, you know, I don't really think you're into hardcore. And then he showed me his Death Wish Records uh, neck rocker, chest rocker. And I was like, Oh, okay. I see where you're coming from. I, I see the roots, the roots of your interest here, buddy. It's like oh, the yeah. exact logo on his chest. And I was like, Holy shit. I was like, okay. But you know, I was like, come on, man. I don't yeah. listen to that many bands that wear sideways hats. I don't know. I do call you sideways hat Liam a lot. I mean, I certainly don't wear my hat sideways. I don't have the balls for that. You know, I don't even have a Cuban link, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any Josh owns any hats, but he might turn his to the side a little bit. Yeah, if he, he should. One. Yeah, he's he. I mean, he he is actually he ends up getting. I think that he's the one who kind of ends up facilitating a lot of the music that they got because I mean he's just a huge fan. His record collection takes up a whole room. Yeah, it's amazing to me the the level of money he spends just ordering records and going to shows. I mean, it's just it's nonstop. I can't keep up with him. Um, but yeah, he loves that stuff all from all, all walk. I'll go over and like it, it's, it'll be a lot of doomy or weird black metal stuff, but then you look over and then he has a humongous hip hop collection too. So, I mean, he's oh, kind of sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <coughs> but yeah, well, that's, I mean, I, I met Joe through Josh. I've, I met Josh actually first, um, working on one of Adam Green's tv shows years ago oh okay because at or josh was doing like dit and edit or assistant editing work or something like that and we just happened to be standing there and started talking about music and we became friends that way yeah i was this one year at fantastic fest almost unintentionally i feel like i ended up we we ended up in a circle of people who just were all the people there who clearly had been going to hardcore shows you know so it was just like it wasn't intentional but it was like josh was there and then um uh uh sam from uh shutter was there and then uh uh the uh the uh werewolf guy what is his actual name 
Fuck, I gotta f- remember the this werewolf dude's... guy. Yeah, he used oh, to have the a Wolfman from yeah. Chicago. Wolfman cometh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's well, he he's in L.A. now, right? I think. I don't oh, know. I, don't know. To, I know he find. was here and he went to Chicago. I haven't seen him if he's. Oh, back. is he in Chicago now? Shit, I gotta hit him up then. I mean, granted, I haven't talked to him since tw- what was that, 2014? I think so. It's not like he owes me anything, but if if I if he's in the area, I want to hang out. Uh, anyways, point is, it was just like this random thing. Like all of a sudden, I realized I was like, because we weren't talking about music, but all of a sudden, I was like, wait, is everyone here someone who's been to a hardcore show before? <laughs> before? And they're all like, oh yeah, it's like we just found each other. <laughs> That's so fucking dope. It was just random. It wasn't on purpose, you know. But you know, it was, it was cool. All right, we should probably wrap up, I guess. But suffice it to say, we think people should watch your movie. People should watch this movie. It's good. People should watch your movie, <laughs> and they should check out your fucking band on That's Spotify. That's also true. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Is, there, is there anything else you want to plug, or you want people to check out, or is there like a social media you want them to do? This is the part where you, you, you utilize our audience for your own purposes. I mean, I, we, we did just put out the, the song that's – the. Bloody Christmas, the song that's in Christmas, Bloody Christmas, we just sure. put it out yesterday, so it's on our band camp now. Um, so that that's the newest news, I guess. Other than that, um, that's pretty I'm just, good. I'm looking for a job if anybody wants uh, cinematography or anything. Get at him. Your boy <laughs> can shoot. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Brian. I really this I've wanted to get you on the show literally for as long as I fucking known you. Like, so I'm, I'm just happy we finally made it. Um, well, I'm, and, I'm, uh, I had a, I had a great time. Yeah. This was I awesome. Wish I, I, I wish we, we would have done it sooner. Yeah. Well, we, we could do it again. I, I want to drag Kelly on this fucking show and make her talk. Did she, she tell you up. about, did she tell you about this? There's some movie she's been trying to get me to watch. It's some psychedelic British movie about a rock band. Do you know what that is? No. Oh, you have to ask her about it. She's yeah. she's very gunko about it, and I think it's a two B movie as well. Oh, okay. It's not the shout. <laughs> which oh, that is that that is it. It is, is it, it with uh with with, yeah. with John Hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah, that's a fucking movie. You got to watch that. It's a trip. I still haven't wa- I haven't seen it yet, and I kind of just kind of kept trying to skirt around the issue because she was wouldn't let it go. Um, but I. I need to go back and watch it. You do, yeah. Well, all right. Um, you can head to, you know, thank you guys for listening. You can head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and like f- some other podcasts. You know what they are. I don't got to name them. Cinepunks. <laughs> the Bloody Eye or whatever it's called. Twitch of the Death Nerve. The Bloody Eye. I don't know. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Cinema Smorgasbord. Some other ones. Uh, head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks to become a patron of our fine establishment. Um, if you're suffering, head to xlvacx.com to make someone else, i.e. Chris Reject, suffer more. Because, you know, the world is a better place when he is miserable. Uh, head to sxcoffeeroasters.com for some delicious roast coffee. Fresh roast coffee, might I add. Um, and finally, uh, you know, make my dreams of Having a Quay, a Brothers Quay style film about a childhood boogeyman that lived in my attic and you know would look at me from the uh, from the cracked door at night and scare the fuck out of me. Head to mechanicalsharkmedia.com and hit your boy Sharky up 
to make a to make my nightmares come true. And until next time, um, Merry Christmas, bloody Christmas. <laughs> you did it. Very good. Very. I good. did it. All right. Peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!